like father, like father. Matthew chapter 7 this morning. If you're jotting down notes, you'll also find this story. Very, very, very similar text, just a few minor changes in Luke chapter 11, verse 9 through 13. But we're going to be studying Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. We just got back from children's camp, uh, intro to camping, and James and I and uh, Sam Erisman were the uh, sponsors, and we went back to our cabin after service, and uh, we were going to be sharing some, bio, have some Bible time with the kids, and James wanted to do a, a Bible, a game where he says a verse, and then, you know, it's, it's a race to see who the first one is um, to get to that verse, to find that verse in the Bible, and then read it. And he said, all right, I said, um... Matthew 7, 7, go. And I thought, hmm, well, I know where Matthew 7, 7 is because my, my ribbon's on it. Because I'm preaching on it Sunday morning. How in the world did he think to say Matthew 7, 7? You know, the earlier service, that story went a lot better. Matthew 7, 7, chapter 7 of Matthew is the ending of the Sermon on the Mount. It starts in chapter 5, goes through chapter 6, and then is concluded in chapter 7. And Jesus in this Sermon on the Mount that we call it, uh, gives an address of really every area of life. He deals with finances, he deals with marriage, he deals with uh, God, he deals with religious activity, um, he deals with sex. I mean, there's really no topic that Jesus doesn't address, it seems, in Matthew chapter 5 through chapter 7. And in the middle of chapter 7, as he is talking about uh, how much God loves us, how God provides for us, I mean, right in the middle of this dynamic sermon, Jesus throws out something about fathers. And he's talking about fathers, using earthly fathers as an example in this story. So look with me in verse number 7. He says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be open to you. I know for a fact those are some precious promises to many of you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be open. Or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Let's stop there, verse 12. Jesus is talking about this relationship or this picture between an earthly father and the son as the relationship of the heavenly father to us as his children. Remember, I've mentioned this several times, but there is a difference between being a a creation of God and a child of God. There's a huge difference. In fact, there is a great chasm between the differences of being a creation of God and a child of God. I want you to remember that each one of us that's here, that's born, that's breathing, that has life, each one of us can claim that we are a unique creation of God. We are unlike anybody else in the world. God knit us, the Bible said, and formed us while we were still in our mother's womb. 
Each one of us is a unique, wonderful creation of God. But we don't become a child of God until we trust Him as our Lord and Savior and we are born again. Jesus told Nicodemus in John 3, Except you be born again, you will not see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus didn't understand it. He wondered how a man could get back into the womb and Jesus had to explain it to him. It was by faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ to trust Him as our Savior. Once we become born again, once we become a Christ follower, once we become a Christian, whatever word you're wanting to tag onto that, when you trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you become a new creation. You are born again. And at that moment, you, see, you, you are not only a creation of God, but you become a child of God. A different relationship altogether. Jesus says in verse number 9, What man is there? I want you to think about that for a minute. And fathers, I definitely want you to be able to think about those few words strung together. What man is there? Jesus is using a particular type of teaching where he could throw out an example that everybody would know the answer to. It it was a way in which he would teach a truth by asking a question in which everybody understood without answering what it would be. When he's saying, what man of you, um, what man among you, uh, would if his son comes to him and asks for bread, what, what father among you, Jesus said, would give him a stone? Or if, if this son is coming and he's uh, requesting uh, something else, what father would not give him those things? So the answer, obviously, in Jesus' day, and I hope that the answer in our day would be that none of us, as fathers, If our son come to us and asks us for bread, I would love to think that there's not one of us that would look at our son and say, no, I'm going to give you a stone. So the answer to that story in Jesus' day was obviously none. But I want us to look deeper at what Jesus was saying and really apply and look at our lives as dads and allow ourselves to look at society, dads in society, and be able to ask that question again. What man... Is there among you? Notice this first thing that this story teaches us about this dad. He's approachable. This kid is coming to him and he's saying, Dad, here's the deal. I need some bread. Why would a kid ask for bread? Anybody? They're hungry or they want to throw it at their brother. Right? Only two reasons in the world. And I guess if that was the reason, the son would really prefer the stone over the bread. The only reason the son is going to come up to his dad and ask him for bread is when he's hungry, right? Remember, the son's not coming and asking the dad to go fishing. The son is coming and asking the dad to go to get for a fish. He's wanting food. Think about that. Now, and I I know it seems kind of odd for me to pause here because, again, this could be one of those rhetorical type of questions, but this son realized that he could come to his dad with his needs. This son realized if I'm hungry, I'm going to go talk to his dad. And probably if you're any dad, like if we're any dads like we should be, we probably already knew that our kids were hungry before they ever came to us. You know what I love so much about about being a dad, especially what is so cool is when they're so small, you know, and they're just starting to walk after they get their casts off, you know, and they're just just able to get going again. You know, don't you love it when they start saying dada? I mean, isn't that the best? Or mama, you had your day, okay? <laughs> when they start saying dada, because as a parent, don't you remember that dada 
meant a lot of different things. I mean, Dada meant, I'm glad you're here. Dada meant, I'm wet. You know, Dada meant, I'm hungry. Dada could mean any number of things, but they knew in that very early stages that if they said Dada, they were going to get your attention. They They had your attention, and I love it so much that once again we're reminded that God, as our Heavenly Father, knows our needs before we ever before we ever call out to Him. Before we ever cry out, before we ever line up our prayers and make our petitions, He is fully aware of our needs. And don't you love it also that with our Heavenly Father, all we have to do is call out on Him. We can call out on Him because we're glad to see Him. Calling out on Him because we're thankful, grateful for something He's given us. We can call out on Him as saying, Abba, Father, in such a way as because we're hungry or we feel like there are needs in our life and we're letting Him know. I'm so thankful that not only is our Heavenly Father approachable, but this Father in the story was also approachable. The Son was able to come to Him and ask Him for these things. Notice this second thing. It's understood that the Father understands in this story. It's understood through this story that the Father understands. Think about what this son is asking for. He's asking for something that is necessary. Food. Dad, I'm hungry. Can I have a fish sandwich? That's pretty much what the son is asking for. Or at least the ingredients to make it himself. He's coming and he's asking his dad not for a new car. He's not asking his dad for a whole bunch of money. He's not asking his dad for an Xbox. He's asking his dad for one of the most basic, essential elements of life. He's saying, Dad, I need food. And the dad understands that. The dad knows this is something that if my son does not get it, He's going to die. If my son does not get the proper food and the proper nourishment, if my son does not get what he needs, he's done. The father understood that it was necessary. It was vital to his life that that son have what he needs. And I know we know that. I know we've got, I know we know we've got to eat. I'm building it up for this picture that God is giving us. The father also, it's understood that it's doable. The, under, the father understands, yeah, the nowhere in here is it understood that the father doesn't have it. That the father has to go bake it. It's not understood in here that the father has to go catch the fish. It's understood that the father has both the bread and the fish and is able to meet his son's need. You know, I told you that the father, every father, every parent knows if you don't feed your child, they're going to die. The father understands those things. But it seems sometimes that there is a great disconnect on Father's behalf. That sometimes we may forget what the most important need of our child is. The most important need, the need that supersedes all other needs in our child's life is a need to know Jesus Christ personally. That is the greatest need ever. Now, I'm not saying that, I mean, food is good. and Nobody wants their child to to die. Nobody wants their child to go hungry. But let me remind you and put it in just really blunt terms. If something happens to your child in this life, there is another life 
after this one. A real father, a good father, understands that this life is not all there is to life. A good father understands that the real life begins when we receive Christ and live eternally. The real father doesn't just want to possess salvation himself. He cannot wait to be able to get that and do everything in his power to feed his child spiritual bread. Do you remember Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Jesus used this beautiful picture of food and nourishment that we have to have in life. He used that picture. He said he was the bread of life. I believe there's an awesome picture here of not just this child coming saying, I'm hungry, but all of the children in our lives that are coming to us with a need, a desperate need to know Christ. This father does not just understand, if I don't feed my child, he'll die. This father knows the consequences for his child's soul if he does not trust Christ for the forgiveness of his sins. That father who understands that is going to have that as his great aim in parenting. His greatest goal, his greatest achievement on his list of things to do will always be make sure that to the best of my ability I have laid out the path and the road unobstructed from falsehood so that my child, when he gets old enough, will have the information and all that he or she needs in order to make a right decision about Jesus Christ. Think about that. That is the most important need. Now I know I told you it's an important need because of the the truth of eternal life. The fact that your child is going to spend eternity somewhere forever just like we are. When that child grows up, it's not just about the life that is to come and the decision. It's about the decisions they make in this life. You see, we want our children to come to faith in Christ, not just for the promise of heaven, but so that they will be able to lay claim to all of the promises of God's Word as well. So that when life knocks them down, they themselves will be able to have within them the Spirit of God. They will be able to apply the promises and the truth of God's Word. That when they're stepping out of the house and they're, they're going out with some friends and you're letting them go, that, you would, that they would be able to know that they have the light of God's Word like we looked at last week. That they would be able to have that personal witness within them to help guide them and instruct them. That when they're, when they're off to college and they have all the decisions out in front of them to know that they have Christ living within them, the very personality of God Himself has taken up residence in their life for the purpose that they can make God-honoring, God-glorifying decisions and keep the regrets to a minimum in those stations of life. We want our children to know Christ because one day they will grow up to be fathers as well. We want to be able to leave a godly, a godly heritage, a, a godly legacy in our family so that our children will continue to carry the torch that those before them have done as well. The Bible reminds us, as fathers, as mothers, we have that responsibility to make sure that we are doing the very best we can to lay that path out in front of our children to the best of our ability to remove as many obstructions as possible, 
to make it as clear both through word and deed in our life. To do our very best that before they can read, they can see God in, our, in the parents. That they can hear from the words of our mouth that in every way possible, we may be able to guide them towards the one that loves them and gave themselves for him. This father is approachable. Son had a need. He felt he could go to his father. This father understands. He understands his child's needs and he understands that there is more to life than this life. Notice this third and final thing this morning. The father loves. This father loves. Something interesting in verse number 9. What man is there among you who... If his son asks for bread, will give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? Son asks for bread, father, the option is to give him a stone. In the next verse, the son asks for a fish, and the father gives him a snake. Think about those two pairs the bread and the stone. And the fish and the snake. They're somewhat similar. In fact, especially the bread in Jesus' day would have often resembled a stone. Both in shape, texture, color. Let me remind you about this, guys. This dad, the dad we're supposed to be, does not give his child an imposter. This dad does not give his child a look-alike. This child gives his son the real thing. It is so incredibly important. The words, the teaching, the guidance that we do with our children, that we are introducing them to the real thing. That we know that the words we're speaking are true from God that we know that the guidance we are giving them lines up and matches up with the Word of God, that we are not introducing some imposter, imposter teaching, that we are not introducing something that may look a little like something that God would say, but not. We have a vital role in that child's life, informing and molding and directing and, 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 and providing that path for them to walk on, hopefully. We have to be very careful. That we, do not, that we do not provide something for our child that is simply a look-alike and not the real thing. Notice the second thing. We're not going to provide anything for our children that will be harmful. Again, if you're going to throw the bread at your brother, you want the stone because it's going to inflict damage, right? Especially, think about it. Think about this, guys, if you're thinking about stones. Their bread was flat. Can you imagine the damage you could do with a flat stone? To your brother? Skipping rock. That'd be awesome, wouldn't it? What father? What father? If his son came up and said, I need a fish. Would reach down, grab a serpent. And put it in his hand. It's dangerous. You know, I feel like sometimes... I watch the news. I see Facebook. 
I read stories and hear stories of dads that are largely signed out. Playing, they may be in the child's life, but they're not offering the truth. Their child's spiritual development is little, if any, concern to them. If they do have any spiritual development in their child, they mostly outsource it to someone else or, a, or an organization like the church. And I can't help but think of those children that are needing that bread so desperately, needing Jesus Christ. And I, I can't help but think that so many of those children are breaking their teeth on the stones that their fathers are giving them. Giving them something that is harmful. Bad advice. Bad direction. Refusing to, to introduce them to Christ. And maybe they don't know Christ themselves. This father, this father is not going to give an imposter. He's not going to give a lookalike. He's going to give the real thing. This father is not going to give something harmful. And it's understood that this father is going to meet the real need. That fa- if that kid is asking for food, it's because he's hungry. The father is not going to give him a stone. A stone is not going to provide what that, what that son needs in order to live. If that son is crying out for a fish, he's, uh, he's not going to eat a snake. The father understands that I am going to meet my child's real, true need to the very best of my ability. I'm not going to give him an imposter. I'm not going to give him a lookalike. I'm not going to give him something that is going to harm him. I know what my child's need is, and I'm making that my great ambition is to provide not just physically, not just relationally, but spiritually those things that my child needs in order to ensure that they can do their very best to walk into eternal life. Don't you wish as parents we could just save our kids ourselves? Don't you wish there was just some kind of bat or wand or stick that we could just kind of hit them on the leg? Leg? And they'd get saved? It doesn't work like that. You see, friends, let me remind you of this. Once your children, as a parent, once you've invested poured into their life, done your very best, that they needed bread, you gave them bread. They needed Christ, you're doing your best to provide Christ for them. Isn't it great to know that once they become saved, you can't clock out? Your job's not over. But it's not, you're, you're simply not done. You can't remove yourself from the equation now. You can't wipe your forehead and shake off the sweat and say, oh, wow, that was tough. Now, now I can relax a little bit because then comes the challenge of helping them walk with Christ. Learning, teaching them how to be a disciple, a follower of Christ. Friends, parenting, Christian parenting, is a lifelong process full of teachable moments, full of scenarios that we are able to introduce Christ, full of a life of love and challenges. Dads, let me tell you something. I love what Jesus says. Look at verse 11. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. He turns to those dads and says, you guys are evil. You guys are morally bankrupt, he's saying to these fathers. But don't you love it, dads? That even though he looks out at all of them and says, even though you guys are absolutely morally bankrupt, you still know how to give good gifts to your children. I was reading over that the other night and I came to this conclusion. 
Jesus is saying without saying that being a father has a way of bringing out the very best in us. That we can be morally, we can be sinners, we can be, we can be failures. But you know, even a failing father does want, I believe this fathers at least, want the very best for their children. They want to meet the needs of their kids. You know where God puts us as fathers? Morally failures because we've sinned. Varying degrees. Remember I told you, you shoot a free throw, you make one, you're 100%. You, make the, you miss the second one, your percentage is down to 50%. You make a thousand more in a row, your percentage is 99.999999. You'll never be 100 because you missed that. You and I, morally speaking, may have varying degrees, varying percentages, but we've all missed the mark of God's holiness. I love this because God tells us, reminds us, that even though we fail, even though we've sinned, and dads, you know it, I know it, we fail. We never quite live up to being the dad that we want to be. We miss the mark. It's in our nature. It's in our flesh. It is our sinful nature. We miss the mark. But aren't you glad to know that he says, even though we are morally bankrupt, we can still love our kids. And he goes on to say, how much more? How much more does your heavenly father, how much more does he love you and is able to do greater than that? Fathers, Jesus just put us in the middle of morally bankrupt and holy right there. So if you are a father this morning and you're struggling, maybe there's some father failures in your life. Maybe you flip through Facebook or read on Twitter or see some of your friends at the game. You think, man, I would love to be the dad like that. Maybe this morning you've heard me raise the standard of fatherhood, what it is, and you'd say, man, I would love to be that dad, but I don't know the Bible that well. I would love to be that dad, but you know what? Walking with Jesus is hard. You may be that guy that says, I would love to lead my children like that, but I don't know Jesus myself. Let me tell you something, Dad. Do not allow that father failure to keep you right there. If I could coin a phrase this morning, how about we rededicate? Get to that place in our life where we say, you know what? I wouldn't allow that failure in any other area of my life. You know what, if my son's going to get a car and I don't know how to drive it, I'm going to learn how to drive that car before I put him in it. You're not going to send your son off to some school without ever checking it out first, putting in the work. Why would we do it spiritually? We wouldn't. That most important element in your child's life is where they're going to spend eternity and put that at the top of the priority list as a parent. That is the most important thing. And let every If you get that right, friend, I promise you, Everything else will take care of itself. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I'm not saying there aren't going to be problems. But you will have the most important element in your parenting accomplished in that. And then you get to lead them in, journey, in that journey. I want to read to you real quick a verse. Proverbs 14.26. Dads hear this one well. He who fears the Lord has a secure fortress. And for his children it will be a refuge. Let me read that one more time. He who fears the Lord. That's us has a secure fortress. And for his children, it will be a refuge. What I do here today 
does not just affect me. It affects my children. It can affect my children. So dads, I know that we are used to getting things on this day. Ties, coffee mugs, grills, breakfast in bed, whatever. I know we're used to getting things. By the way, some of you mothers may have forgotten it is Father's Day today. Stinks to have the reminder like that, huh? We're used to getting things today. Dad, how about we give something today? How about we rededicate? Step it up a little bit. Put our child's soul first and foremost in our life and not allow our dad failures to hold us back. This dad is approachable. This dad understands. This dad loves. Let that be us as well. What's your decision today, Dad? Moms, are you supporting? Are you praying for? Are you walking with your husband as he attempts to lead? Are you able to, to help, help work at work in that family unit and love that husband, love your, that, that man as, uh, uh, and honor and reverence him as the Lord does, as you do the Lord? Husband, are you loving your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her? Friend, if you're here and you don't even know Christ, how are you going to lead? You can't be a godly dad without the assistance of God. What's your step today? What's your decision? Where are you going to go? Where's your family going to go?